0: إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله سلَّم الله عليه أما بعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله واحسن الهدي هدي محمد الله عليه وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل مُحْدَثَةٍ Bida وكل بدعه وكل ضلاله في النار ثم اما بعد الحمد لله على نعمه الاسلام والسنه all praise and thanks belong to Allah for guiding us to Islam and for guiding us to the Sunnah حدثني جماعة من الشيوخ بإسناد كله إلى سفيان بن Bin عن عمرو بن دينار عن أبي قابوس مولى عبد الله بن عمرو عن عبد الله بن بن رضي الله تعالى عنهما أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال الرحمون يرحمهم الرحمن يرحم من في الأرض يرحمكم من في السماء. The Prophet ﷺ said in his Shaminas hadith that those who are merciful, they will be shown mercy by the most merciful. Be merciful to those who are in the earth, and the one who is above the heavens, he will show you mercy. وَقَالَ الْعُلَمَاءِ ذَلِكَ بِأَنِ Rahma رَحْمًا نَتِجَتُهُ رَحْمًا فِي الدُّنْيَا Rahma رَحْمًا فِي الْآخِرَةِ The ulama they mention, they say this is because knowledge is mercy. The result of knowledge is mercy in this world, and the ultimate goal of knowledge is mercy in the hereafter. The seeking of knowledge is something which is tremendous, and it is a must that we seek it and that we implement what we know and what we have learned. This is if we are going to benefit from it. As the Prophet he told us, well Quran laka aw alayk. And the Quran is a proof for you or against you. A proof for you if you learn it and live by it. A proof against you if you turn away from it and you do not live in accordance to what you know. It is a must that we reflect on this hadith that we begin. Each and every one of these classes with Because in it is a tremendous reminder Especially for the people of the sunnah Especially in this time in which we live in And this era in which we live in As the ulama they have mentioned And they have advised from them The likes of Imam Bin Baz Rahimahullah ta'ala And the likes of Imam Al-Albani Rahimahullah ta'ala And other than them from the ulama They mention that we live in a time where ignorance has become widespread. We live in a time where ignorance has become widespread. We live in a time where the people of the Sunnah, they are small in number. The people of the Sunnah, they are small in number. Now, of course, this may vary from different place to different place and so on and so forth. But in general, worldwide, the people of the Sunnah, then they are very few. In general, you'll find that the el, the practice, the conveyance of, so on and so forth. It is very rare to hear the likes of what the people of the sunnah, they are saying. We live in a time where there are many people who look at the sunnah and it is foreign into them. They look at it as if it is bid'ah. The ulama they explain that the famous hadith that we know That Islam began strange, it shall return back to being strange. So glad tidings to the Ghurabah, glad tidings to those who are strangers, the strangers. The Prophet he explained to, to us who they are and gave us their characteristic and also the characteristic of the general masses of mankind during this time, where Islam will, we go back to being something that is strange. The Prophet ﷺ when explaining who are the Qurba, he said, fasad nas fasad Yuslihun wa What is understood from this is that they are those who they rectify themselves and they rectify others when the people have become corrupted. When the people have become corrupted, meaning when corruption is widespread, when corruption is widespread, they rectify themselves and then they rectify others. But when one looks at the description, then they will find that we live in a time where corruption is widespread. Everywhere you look, corruption is widespread to the extent that it has become normal. It has been normalized. now So the ghurba, they are those who they rectify themselves and they rectify others when the people have become corrupted. So when we realize this and we acknowledge this, then we will see that definitely we are living in a time where Islam is strange. Now, as relates to the kuffar, this is, no one is surprised when Islam is strange to the kuffar. But we're talking about islam being strange to the muslims themselves now that islam being strange to the muslims themselves being the sunnah strange to many muslims when you explain to them what is the sunnah it becomes as if this is the first time that they are hearing it and they will tell you this is the first time that they are hearing it with this being the case and knowing the condition and the environment that we are in Then it necessitates from us that we interact with the people with this in mind. That we interact with the people with this in mind. Now, So therefore, and I'm saying to say is that what? Is that you are a lot harder on a person who knows and who is obstinate and obstinately goes against the truth while knowing what the truth is. They intentionally are contradicting the truth. You will deal with that person differently than a person who has never heard the truth before or a person who has been lied to and they have been tricked and duped into believing the truth is something other than what it really is. Now, so for example, and I give an example, for an individual, if you were to ask him, as Sheikh al-Bani ta'ala, used to say, is that if you were to ask most of the Muslims today, most of the Muslims, and he was speaking about this some decades ago, right? He said if you were asked most of the Muslims, ما معنى لا La Ilaha illallah, what is the meaning of La ilaha illallah? He said it would be one or two options in most cases. He said either they will say La Edri, they will say, I don't know. Or they will give you a wrong answer. They will give you a wrong answer. Ma'am? Now, what is more fundamental than knowing the meaning of La ilaha illallah? of course the answer is rhetorical the answer is there's nothing more fundamental than that this is is the beginning the middle and the end so if something this vital most of the Muslims don't know the meaning of it or they will give you an incorrect meaning then it shows you the level of ignorance that we are dealing with so someone who doesn't know will you treat them the same as someone who is learnt in their bid'ah they have studied it they they try to argue with Ahl-Sunnah, so on and so forth. Will you treat the two parties the same? Then, of course, the answer is no. The answer is no, you won't treat them the same. So, how would you treat the one who knows better and who tries to mis, 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 misguide people maliciously? You would treat them a little rough because they know better and they're, and they're trying to be malicious. Now, how would you treat the one who is mistaken out of ignorance? They don't know, but they're ignorant. You would treat them... A lot easier, a lot softer, because they don't know. They have fallen into error, and they didn't know. They didn't know. It's like your child, and this is an example. not saying that we we treat the people like children. That's not my intention. But to draw an example, right? If a child falls into something that is wrong, and they don't know, and we know they don't know, are you harsh? No. That becomes a, a teachable moment. You're easy with them, you explain to them, no, you don't do this and this is why, right? Now, if you had told that child time and time and time and time and time and time and time again before and you know they know and then they do it, do you go into a long explanation? Do you go to explain this, explain that? I'm talking about this is your child. You'll tell them no, you know better. I told you don't touch that and you know better. So then the response will be different each response appropriate to the situation. I'm stressing this because it is incumbent that we become of those who will treat the people appropriately. It is not black and white. We don't treat everybody the same. You don't treat the leader of innovation like you would treat the follower who's a blind follower who doesn't know anything, they're just doing what they heard and what they said, uh, other people have said. Now, you don't treat them the same. The one who was misguiding the people, you treat them differently. So, this is the one who not, nah, you put your fingers in your ears, you don't want to hear with them. Can I sit down? No, you can't sit down. Can I have a word? No, not even half a word. So on and so forth. This is for who? the leaders, those who know. But the, the ignorant follower who doesn't know, or the one who's just come from his land and he's just saying what everyone else in his land has saying, but has never even stopped to really even think about what it is that they are regurgitating, so on and so forth. We don't treat them the same. No, this one we want to try to teach, try to help, try to educate. This is important. Why am I stressing this? Is because I can't speak about every place and everywhere, but in this country in America, the people of the Sunnah have developed a reputation of being harsh. They have developed a reputation of being harsh, so much so that when the people catch wind of them, they they run away. The Prophet when he sent the Sahaba to Yemen, he told them, invite the people. Don't be people who chase people away, be inviting do not be repelling don't repel people don't interact with them in such a way that you make them run away from you but be inviting be inviting to the people Now, and it is a commitment, is a must that we are inviting to the people because the Muslims generally they want good the Muslims generally they want good now they just need the opportunity that you explain to them what the good is and that you are patient because you know what I'm not the smartest person in the world. You might tell me something today. I don't get it. It doesn't fully, it doesn't fully compute. You may have to tell me three, four, five, six times before. Oh, that's what you're saying. That's what you, okay, now I get it. This might be the 10th time you told me. Now I understand what you've been trying to tell me those past nine times. I finally understand what you're saying now. Some people are like that. They don't get it the first time. Just like those of us who have have accepted Islam, did you accept Islam the very first time it was presented to you? No. No. Did anyone? I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong. The first time you heard about Islam, you accepted it? No. You had questions. You didn't know. You need to understand. It took some time to understand. But ultimately, the guidance is from Allah Ta'ala, right? So we, we know that, and that's clear. The point is, is that we don't always understand it the first time we hear it. Some things, alhamdulillah, we may get it the first time. Other things may take a few times. So we have to remember that when dealing with the people. And we have to remember that perhaps maybe it wasn't them and their level, but it was our explanation. Maybe it wasn't clear enough. Maybe there was some ambiguity in what we were saying. Maybe we didn't bring a strong enough proof and evidence to them, meaning that we just told them. Maybe we didn't bring them the proof and evidence. So that's why it didn't really compute. So then we revise, we go back. Now we have proofs and evidences. This is the hadith here, not I'm excuse me, not, not, uh, what do you call it, uh, in meaning, but here's the hadith, bobaidim, right here. This is where you can find it. Here you go, I printed it out. I emailed it to you, Textured to you. This is the proof I was talking about. And so on and so forth. Now, this is important to remember. And it is a good segue to lead into tonight's hadith as it relates to um, this character that we should all strive to enhance and to make sure we are upon good character, the Imam Ibn Nawawi, may Taala, he goes on and and uh, to narrate the next Hadith and Nawas and Nawas bin Sam'an, may Allah Taala, and him. Ali, the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, said, "The prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, he said that righteousness, the بر righteousness, is good character. Righteousness is good character. Nam." Well مَحَاكَ فِي nafs and sin is what it causes doubt inside of a person, yani it 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 bounces around in a person, makes you uncomfortable. Sin, it makes an individual uncomfortable. It bounces around inside of the chest of a person. Wa alayhi and you hate that the people know about it. The sin is that what you feel uncomfortable about. It makes you feel uneasy and you hate for the people to know that you do it. Now, why? Because you're ashamed. You're embarrassed. You're embarrassed that they will know that you that you do these particular sinful things. You're embarrassed by them. This is the nature of sin. Is that it makes you feel uneasy and you hate for the people to know about it. Now, there comes another hadith. Uh, Sheikh Abdul Muhsin um uh, there comes another hadith and wa bin Ma'bad, Ta'ala another hadith which bears a very similar meaning, but we need them both together. Now I mean this is another good example, right? And there's also some more hadith that will come together so that we can understand the meanings of this hadith. But it's another good example to show. That just knowing one hadith, as, as, as Shaykh al-Bani, he's so always say, that you cannot reach a conclusion in a particular affair by one text. But rather you have to bring all of the texts together that speak about that subject to in order to understand properly the ruling of a particular thing. You can't just bring one hadith and say, no, I got to prove here, it go right here. No, you have to bring all of the proofs and evidence together so that you make sure that you understand the proof and evidence. And this is what? and your understanding has to be what has to be in accordance to the understanding of the sahaba and this is very important this is very important because people become deceived just because a person brings a dalil when we say we stick to the adilla we stick to the proofs and the evidences we stick to the proofs and evidences upon their proper meaning nam it is not the issue Sheikh Shaykh Sheikh mentions it is not the issue that a person just brings a dalil no but rather that they have to bring a denil bearing its proper meaning in its proper context at the proper time in the proper place, so on and so forth. That you have to bring a denil upon its proper context. You can't just say, "Oh no, this person he seems to be good because they're quoting ayat and they're quoting a hadith." Naam, you find from ahli bid'ah those who quote ayat and a hadith, and what do they do? They twist their meanings. They give to them a meaning that is foreign. To their real meaning. They give to them an understanding that the, that the Sahaba didn't have. Sahaba didn't understand it like that. They misuse the text. They misuse the text and they twist and distort the meaning of the text. So don't be deceived by saying, oh, the brother mentioned uh, proofs and evidences, so we should be able to take from him, right? Because you have people who, who think this. Well, I take, the, I take the good, I leave the bad. How you know what's good? Or if he mentioned the proof and evidence, I know that's good. And then what I don't think, you know, is good, then I leave it alone. No, no, no. That's not how that's not how it works but you have to one only take from those that you trust and those that you know it's very important man and if there's any type of ambiguity any type of doubt then what you leave it alone and all of that i want you to hold on to that if there's any type of doubt or ambiguity you leave it alone it fits or it coincides with the meaning of this hadith as the other narrations will come to show and highlight the meaning of what is intended we will see better insha'Allah ta'ala. A'la kulli From the hadith, Awabisa bin Ma'bad radiyallahu ta'ala anhu qal, Ataytu Rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam faqal, He said, I came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said unto him, Jitta tes'alu anil birr wal ithm. He came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi And before he can say what he want to say, The Prophet sallallahu alayhi He said, you came to ask me about righteousness and sin huh? فقلت, نعم, he said so I said نعم, right وسلم, so the prophet وسلم, he said now I want you to keep in mind who's being spoken to this is a sahabi the prophet وسلم, he told them consult your heart use your heart as a judge نعم? use your heart as a judge consult your heart and then the Prophet ﷺ, he went on to explain what was meant by that. Now, because you find some people, they misuse this text into doing what they want to do. If I feel cool with it, it's good. If I don't feel cool with it, it's not good, right? So, it's important to remember that the likes of this is for what? It's for those who have good hearts. Those who have really clean hearts. Those who are upon good. Alakun <inaudible> liha. The promise I said. Let me said. Acts your heart. El ال- bir because righteous. Matumanenta, مطمئننت... نعم, righteousness is that in which you you feel comfortable with. El birru matumanat ilayhi nafs is that which your soul, excuse me, that which your soul feels comfortable with. نعم, matumana ilayhi al qalb. And that which your heart feels comfortable with, that which your soul feels tranquil with, and that which your heart feels tranquil with. وَالْإِثْنِ al-nafs, fi And sin is that which causes apprehension. And it rattles back and forth inside of a person's chest. Sin, is that what you feel apprehensive about? You're not 100% sure you want people to necessarily see you doing this particular thing. Now, the promise I said, he said, in. He said, even if the people repeatedly tell you that it's good, and even if the people repeatedly rule that it's, it's okay for you to do it, now, that even with that, you still feel uncomfortable. The Sheikh uh, Imam al-Nawi, goes on, he mentions, he says, Hadith al-Hasan, this Hadith is Hassan, and that it, يعني, it's been collected in the Musnad of Imam Ahmad and of Imam ad darimi rahimahumAllahu ta'ala. Fadil al-Shaykh al alama uh, muhadith al-Madina, the great scholar, the teacher of the teachers, Sheikh Abdul Muhsin, Al abad Al-Badr, Ta'ala, he mentions, he says, uh hadith al Nawaz, Rawahu Muslim, the hadith of Nawaz, it has been collected by Muslim Wal hadith wa biswa Rawahu Ahmed Wadimi. Uh Fi'isnad fi isnadih maqpalun that it has been collected by Imam Ahmad Imam al Darimi. The first hadith of nawaz collected by Imam Muslim The second hadith Wabisa collected by Imam Ahmed and by Imam Adarimi. He said that in his chain there is some discussion As relates to his chain Meaning there is some weakness inside of the chain شواهد, But it has supporting texts It has supporting texts That have good chains نعم, It has other supporting texts That have good chains And thus the hadith Hadith Al-Hasan as uh, aforementioned, hadith al-Hasan, the good hadith يعني ذكرها الحافظ ابن في الجامعة العلوم والحكم Ibn uh, Rajab, he mentions this in uh, his, his tremendous book where he explains uh, these, these are hadith and some addition making them into 50 hadith في جملة ال, uh, uh na'am al-hadith uh, bin sam'an and the second hadith the hadith of wabisa generally it is very similar to the hadith of nawas bin sam'an so the meanings yeah are very similar and the same so we know that the meaning of the hadith it is correct the, the meaning the meaning of the hadith of um wa absir the meaning is correct and the chain is good due to supporting evidences the shaykh ghazali mentioned he says "Well, bir kalima jamia tashmal al umur al baatina allati fi al qalb wal umur al zahira allati takunu ala al lisan wal jawarih he says in that bir and for those who are writing notes this is will be another bullet point speaking about bir Okay, so the first bullet point was talking about the chain of the hadith, where the first hadith is connected, collected, where the second hadith is collected, and speech that is connected to the chain of the hadith and the meanings of that second hadith in particular. Now, the next bullet point will be speaking about the word birr, the word birr. Now, this word birr is a word that it encompasses... And it includes the internal affairs, which will take place inside of the heart, and also the external affairs that will be manifest and presented upon the tongue and upon the limbs. So, it relates to that which is internal and external righteousness, and this is a very important point. Remember those people you talking about before? They'll say, Well, my heart says it's okay, so it's okay. You'll find a lot of times that a person has to come to you and they'll say, No, no, brother, my heart, I got a good heart, brother. brother. I got a good heart. Usually they say that when? In defense of themselves because they're doing something that's not right. So they'll come and try to reassure you, But my heart is good. As if righteousness is only about what's on the inside. No, it's not just about what's on the inside. But it's about what's on the outside too. You understand? So when those individuals come and they come with these, 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 these satanic slogans and excuses, well, you people think you're so good because you got, you got a lihya and you're dressed like this and you you know, so on and so forth. And this is the excuse. You think you're so good, but you know what? My heart might be better than yours. I don't know what's on the inside. But I know from righteousness, the inside has to be good and the outside has to be good. From righteousness, the inside has to be good and the outside has to be good. So the criterion is not just what's on the inside, but it's also what's on the outside. And if what's on the outside is not good, then this is the indication that's due to some filth that is on the inside. You understand a person. You don't know what's in a person's heart. But they'll give you a glimpse of what's in their heart by what comes off out their mouth. Do you understand? Uh, You don't know what's in a person's heart, but you can have an indication of what's in that person's heart based on what's what's coming off of their mouth. If they're a person, they have a filthy tongue, they're always using profanities and uh, speaking in, in, in very nasty and despicable ways and so on and so forth. This is not the signs of a person that has a good heart. This is the signs of a person that has a bad heart, an evil heart. They're lying, they yani uh, cheating, you know, uh, deceiving people, swindling people with their words. They're, um, you know, cursing people and speaking about all kind of vulgar and filthy, despicable things and so on and so forth. A person like that, the general understanding is, that's an evil hearted person. Right? A person that does evil and despicable things, you say, that's an evil person. If you find a person... And they're, you know, uh, uh, abusing little children, taking their uh, uh, lunch money and taking their their lunch and so on and so forth. And just harassing them and so on and so forth. Does the first thing come to your mind is, oh, they must have a good heart. No, you'll say, I say, that's an evil person. How are you picking on little kids? You must be an evil guy. Right. So the point is, is that what's on the inside. You'll get a glimpse of that based on a person's speech and a person's actions so it's not just enough to say oh but my see this is where ahlu sunnah falls into it now this is where ahlu sunnah falls into it as um, i've heard brothers who will say in their defense for getting caught doing all kinds of sin and evil and transgression that type of sin that nobody differs over Nobody differs, not a single Muslim in the world would differ over whether this thing is evil or not. They get caught doing that sin, and you know how Shaytan comes to the people of the Sunnah and tricks them? And I heard it with my own ears. I won't expose who the brother is, we don't want to, that's not the point. But a brother said with his own tongue, and I heard it with my own ears. Well, at least I'm not a Muqtah yeah, there. Yes, I said, uh, at, least I, well, at least you got a good Aqidah, so that gives you the, 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 the right now to go and do all kind of filthy stuff. That gives you the right to do type of filthy stuff that even a Jew or a Christian say that's filthy. Because you got a good Aqeedah, that's it? No, Subhanallah, is not like this. Shaykh Albani, you know, and, this, and the problem because, and this is the problem, people like to talk about what is the Sunnah, what it means to be upon Sunnah. Shaykh Albani said, Kun Salafiyan, Aqeedatan, Aqeedatan, Yani, Minhajan, Yani, Kadalik, Yani, Yadhkul, Finalik, Minhaj, But Aqeedatan, Ibadatan, Wa Suluqan. Shaykh Albani, he said, become a person who's truly upon the sunnah, truly following the way of the salaf, in your aqidah, and when enters into aqidah, is also minhaj, aqidah, minhaj, they, they go together, now so was understood about the Shaykh, he said, he said, in your worship, in the manner that you worship, you gotta be upon sunnah, following the way of the salaf, in the manner that you worship, and in your character, in your character, na'am? We say we upon the way of the Salaf, we upon the way of the Prophet so and upon the way of the Sahaba. Did the Sahaba treat sins like they was nothing? Did the Sahaba treat sins like they was nothing? And then we say, but we upon their way? Did the Sahaba treat being lackadaisical in your worship like it was nothing? And then we say, oh, but we upon their way? In your character, brother, you also gotta be imitating the Sahaba, you gotta be imitating the Prophet, Uswatul so Hasan. He is the best example. You have to imitate the Prophet ﷺ in your, in your character. You have to imitate the Sahaba in your character. You're running around doing this filthy stuff. You think Abu Bakr will run around doing this type of stuff? You think Umar will run around doing this type of stuff? You think that they will say it's okay at least you Salafi. And when you run around doing this type of foolishness and evil? Ya yeah, Salam, what are the people upon? We have to know how the Shaytan comes and he tricks people. But this is a trick that the shaytan he has given out to the Ahlu Sunnah. So you have to be on your guard so that you understand. Naam. your inside and your outside have to be in accordance to what is good because that's what righteousness is. Inside and outside. Inside and outside. Na'am. And just not 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 not, not, not to you know, prolong the point even, anymore. But ala kulli hal. those also who come and they say, oh, they say, oh, but these things are easy things, brother. Okay, but you're not doing the easy stuff. If you're not doing the easy stuff, you won't really believe that you're doing the you can do the hard stuff? If you're not doing the easy stuff in your estimation, do you really expect me to leave you can do the hard stuff? Hmm? That's like me coming to you and saying, oh, five pounds? Yeah, I don't know if I can do I can lift the five pounds, but don't worry. When it's time for me to lift the hundred pounds, I got you. You're gonna say, no, you can't lift five, you're gonna lift a hundred. Come on. In five minutes, you're gonna develop the ability to lift all the hundred pounds. You can't lift five right now? You're not going to buy that from me, right? So what do people, people got to stop lying to themselves and thinking that we're foolish enough to believe what they're saying. We have to try to enhance and become better. It is that which encompasses the inside and the outside. As it comes in the ayah, to the end of the ayah, as it comes to Surah Al-Baqarah in 177. That righteousness is not that you turn your face, ain't to this, to that. And then Allah Ta'ala explains what it, righteousness is in that verse. The Shaykh says, that this hadith, oh, excuse me, that this ayah is a very clear proof and evidence which shows us that righteousness is internal and external. Because we go back to the ayah, you will see that the first of what is mentioned. Consists of internal actions. Consists of internal actions. Wa 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 and the end the, the, the things that are mentioned in the latter portion of the of the verse, then they are that which point to the apparent affairs. For homework, go back to that verse 177 from Surah al-Baqarah, and then look and see and compare what's internal and what's external. But kulli lihal, you will see them both mentioned, which is a proof and evidence that righteousness consists of what is internal and what is external. And the word bir has been connected specifically as relates to being righteous and extending righteousness to one's parents, to one's mother, and to one's father. And this is from the characteristics and the traits of The Muslim, that we are righteous and dutiful to our parents. Whether they are Muslim or they are kafir. Whether they are believers or non-believers. We have to be good and dutiful to our parents. And we can't disrespect our parents because they don't believe in Islam. But we have to respect them still. We have to obey them. If they say something to us that we don't like, we can't even say to them "Oof." Okay, a person say, well, we don't say oof in, in English when we're unpleased with something. If your parent says something to you and you don't like it, you can't say, nope, don't suck your teeth at them. If your parent say something to you, you can't say sigh out or any type of noise that shows any type of disrespect. But you have to be respectful. If they call you to worship other than Allah, they call you to do something that is haram, you have to decline that request in the most respectful manner possible that said the parent is not a muslim so now what if your parent is a muslim you have to show them the utmost of respect still you have to show them the utmost of respect and if they call you to do something that is haram you have to decline that request in the most respectful manner possible don't roll your eyes. Don't suck your teeth. Don't speak back to them. Don't, 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 don't to the end. Don't disrespect your parents in any which way, shape, or form. This is from what it means to be righteous and to be dutiful and to be good. Yama مَا إِذَا قُرِيْنَا بِالصُّلَةٍ And the Sheikh said, especially as it relates to keeping the the, the ties of, of, of kith and kinship. يُرَادُ بِهِمَا because what is intended by them then it means being righteous to one's parents and keeping good ties and connection of kith and kinship and bir it comes and is also connected and linked to taqwa that bir it comes in the quran this word birr and is linked and is connected to taqwa for example, as it comes كما, كما تعين, As it comes in Allah Ta'ala's statement عَلَى البر والتقوى, And cooperate with one another Upon بِرِّ And تَقْوَى نعم. We know taqwa means, right? When تَقْوَى Is translated a lot of times by itself Then they'll translate it as Piety Correct? Right? piety, like, generally and typically, birr is translated as righteousness. You with me? Righteousness. When connected to the parents, being righteous and dutiful to one's parents. I I, 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 I need you to understand that we have to learn Arabic. I, I gotta learn Arabic. You gotta learn Arabic, right? One time, right, uh, uh, one of our brothers, he said, he asked Sheikh al-Bani a question, and, and it, was, it, was, it was a question that he struggled to get out, in and in a, in a, in a question that had a very detailed answer that required a certain level of Arabic to understand the answer. And Sheikh Al-Bani told him, he said, Listen, I can't answer this question right now because the language I'm going to use, you're not going to understand. I had to learn Arabic. You got to learn Arabic. When you learn Arabic good, come back and ask the question. And I say, Question again, and I give you the answer because then at that point, you'll be able to understand it. Right. So the point is is that we all gotta learn Arabic. Now that's that, that's the bottom line. Knowledge is is by seeking knowledge. Now and even if you grow up and yeah, speaking Arabic and so on and so forth, then we all know that we have slang, you know, the lahjat of of of, of language Arabic, and then we have Fosha. So everybody gotta learn Fosha. The Arab and the Ajam gotta learn Fosha. We're not in the time like before And everyone spoke Arabic, pure. No, we got to learn. Everybody got to learn Arabic. So the English language is it is lacking at times because those who speak Fuzhah, they understand the connection and correlation between Birr and Taqwa. Based on a translation, you would think that there's no real connection in that sense because one is translated as righteousness and one is translated typically as piety or yani, you know, or, or, or God fearing, you know, fearing Allah subhanahu wa taala like this, right? But the Sheikh he mentioned, I want you to listen. He, the Sheikh he mentions, he says, "Wa the HTML He said, "But when these words come together, when birr and taqwa come together, كما في هذه الآية like in this ayah, birr البر بالفعل الطاعات then in this ayah." Bir is, remember what I said birr is translated as? Piety. Piety. The Shaykh says when they come together, if you mention birr and taqwa in one sentence in the same context together, he said then in that case, birr means the performing of actions of obedience. Then birr means to perform acts of obedience. So in that context, birr, It means to perform actions of obedience. But a lot of times we translate it as what? Righteousness. Now we know righteousness gives you a certain connotation, a certain generality in a broad meaning in in the English language. But is it specified? And what's understood by the ayah is performing righteous good deeds, doing righteous good deeds. You may not necessarily get that from Righteousness. Okay, and that's why learning Arabic is so important. What taqwa and taqwa, okay, what does taqwa means when it comes together? It means to leave off that which is haram. Those things that are prohibited, when you bring birr and taqwa together, taqwa means leaving off haram. Birr means doing righteousness, and taqwa means leaving off haram. طيب. Leaving off the haram. Do you necessarily understand that from the word piety? We understand what piety means to be pious, right? And we understand that from being pious, you know, an aspect of it is you leave off what is haram. But is that the predominant meaning that comes to mind? Do righteousness, leave off the haram. Because if it's translated in that nature, and cooperate and help one another, in doing righteousness and in staying away from haram, well, I mean, that might be a game changer for some people, right? That's 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 a little different than how we commonly hear it and understand it. That may that has you know, it may have a, a greater impact on a person when they really understand what the words mean. Okay, now this is when they come together. So the sheikh goes on and he says, Wa Ufrida, an but if they are if they are separated and one is mentioned alone by itself and you know without mentioning the other one the Shaykh he says يعني, uh, naan, the one is mentioned uh, when they come by themselves then in this case both meanings will enter into them together meaning when they're mentioned by themselves then each of them will take the meaning of the other, then each of them will both mean doing righteousness and staying away from sin. So if you said birr by itself, it means doing righteousness, staying away from sin. If you said taqwa by itself, it means doing righteousness, staying away from sin. So now maybe better we understand, if someone's doing haram, you tell him, ya akhi taqila. know, my brother, taqila. What are you telling him? In that case, he's doing haram. What do you, what's, what's the commandment's understood? stop doing haram stop that That's thing's haram stop stop doing haram right in any event did we know that these words when they come separately could be used as synonyms for one another you're not going to know that from a translation you're not going to know that from a translation you have to study uh to, in order to learn that right okay the sheikh he mentions, he says, al Nadir. He said, and this is similar to Islam when Iman. This is similar to Islam and is similar to Iman. And it's also similar to faqir and Miskin. Meaning that what when they are separate, each of them means the other. But when they come together, then this will mean something. This will mean something. Na'am? So as far as Islam and Iman, we took that before. We took that before in previous classes. What about Faqir and what about Miskeen? Because in English, they are translated, if, you, if they come by itself, typically you will say poor. When they come by themselves, typically you say poor. When they come together, you can't say poor and poor. Right? Because you know there's some kind of So it would be poor and the needy, poor and the needy, which gives you some kind of understanding, but maybe not necessarily the full picture, right? Because a person that's poor, okay, to what extent? We know some people are poor, we'll we'll typically categorize them as poor, but then there are people who are poorer than that person, right? So this person, he's in poverty, this person, he's in extreme poverty. This person is poor, this person is really poor right they each have different uh yani understandings based upon what is intended now in english we will add other words to it to identify that this one is poor and this one is poorer than right but in arabic you have particular words so what is miskin? right what is miskeen some yani, uh some of the muslims they you know this word is is uh is is famous in their in their slang they call it by miskeen ah oh, this miskeen uh. Like this. So what does miskin mean? Miskin, are faqir. The one who's miskin, he is one who is poor. Yani, alladhi la yajidu, yani, kamal, He does not find all of what he needs. The miskin, he doesn't find all of what he needs. Naam? Walfaqir, ashaddu haaja minhu. But the one who is faqir, he is poorer than the one who is was That makes sense. The one who was miskin, he has some things, but he don't have enough to cover all his needs. The one who was fakir, he has even less than that. He don't. He you know he really almost has nothing. Right. The one who. So in other words, if a person has some property, has a car, has some this, has some that, you know, so on and so forth, but yet still. They, they struggle to pay their bills They struggle to put they, to buy food they, they live in a situation where Okay if I pay this bill then I can't buy food If I buy food I can't pay this bill So on and so forth This person you would say Miskeem If you find a person that They don't have really no money for food No bills Then what would you, call it? What would you say about that person That person is what Faqir nah. So a lot of times people are coming and saying Man a man he drove up to the masjid And this and that Yeah, you know, hey, miskeem no, you don't know. That it could be miskeen. What's the proof? You remember when, the, yani, from surah Al-Kahf, right? When Musa, alayhi salam, was with uh, 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 Khidr, right? And remember when Khidr, he 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 broke the boat. Then he put a hole in the boat to make yani, to make it deficient, right? How did he describe the owners of the of that boat? <laughs> huh? Miskeen. <laughs> he <laughs> He, he described them as being, they were, they were miskin, masakin, but they owned what? The but they owned the boat, which shows that the one who's miskin, he has some property, but he just doesn't have enough to take care of everything, right? And the masakin, they are from those who we can give uh, charity to, because you find people who come and they say this all the time, who we give charity to? It's America. Everybody got money. Really? Everybody got money? You know how many people can't afford food? You know, how many people can't afford everything, so it just makes you, you know, need to reevaluate when you hear people say things like this. Or you think, "Well, I have no one I can give my my, my zakat to." No, there are plenty of people who give zakat to. There are plenty of people who yani you know, don't have enough food. Plenty of people who don't who don't have you know, everything for their for their for their basic needs. They, they can't afford it all. They can't afford it all. So these these are you know, we need to keep this in mind, and Ta'ala so that we can extend uh, to our brothers who are in need and our brothers who are poor, that money that belongs to them because that zakat money is theirs, not ours. It doesn't belong to us, right? So we have to take their money out of our money. We have to take their money out of our money, that money that Allah has given us. Okay? Allah gave us that money to begin with and not like we got it ourselves. No, Allah gave us that money to begin with so we have to take out of that money that Allah has given us that portion of, of, of the money that's currently with us that in actuality belongs to those who are poor and those who are needy and those who are mentioned from those who could receive the zakat It's very important, right? These are the points that I really want you to hold on to and to highlight. The sheikh he goes on to get into other points, Right? But I don't want anything to be missed because we went over too much at one time. Yeah, The best speech is that which is short and it gets to the point. You, you 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 go into too many things, and then what happens is that you start to forget. You can't you can't hold it all, right? Um. So inshallah, ta'ala, we will pick up and continue the the rest of the phrases of the hadith inshallah, ta'ala so we have a better understanding. However. To give you a little, you know, I won't leave you too much of a cliffhanger, right? Because I said the other ahadith ah- ah- that help us understand this hadith. From those ahadith, ah- there are three. There are three hadith that we already took. There are three hadith we already took, but they help us understand this hadith. So when a person comes and they say, you know, the person telling me, told us, it's, yani, it's, ask your heart. So look, my, I'm going to ask my heart, and then, you know, if I feel okay, it's okay. No. The other hadith that come together that govern our understanding of this particular hadith, Akshahar, From them, Is three, right? The first one is the hadith of, uh, uh, يعني, uh, that, that has come earlier, فمن الشُبَهَاتِ فَقُدْ اسْتَبْرَأَ وعرضه, That whoever stays away from doubtful matters, then he would have uh, safeguarded his religion and his Reputation. Whoever stay away from doubtful matters will safeguard his religion and his reputation. Just give us an indication. What ask your heart? Ask your heart. What are you? Do you do you know for sure, or you feel doubt? If you feel doubt, don't do it because if you stay away from that which makes you doubt, you will safeguard your religion and you safeguard your reputation. Right. So if it's something that you know, and you say. Would I be comfortable? My mother see me doing this. My father see me doing this. The brothers see me doing this. Would I be comfortable like that doing this right in on, 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 yeah, broad daylight on Broadway? Would I feel comfortable? If you say, "Well, I don't, I don't know," then this indication: what? Don't do it. The other hadith that gives an indication of this that we need to understand this particular hadith acts your heart is that what is is a statement of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Uh, Uh, Leave that which makes you doubt For that which does not make you doubt So if it makes you doubt You're not 100% sure Then leave it Also The hadith Of the Prophet When he said And that barely that which has reached the people From the, the, the The prophethood Of old Of antiquity Is That if you feel No shame Do as you wish. And remember remember that hadith is an indication from the Prophet and is a threat from the Prophet Now, he's informing us that what? That only those who have no shame do what they want. The people who have no shame, they are the only ones who do what they want. And it's also informing us that that's a threat. This is a threat that if you find yourself you do doing what you want, how you want, when you want, you don't care, this indication you have no shame, you have no shyness at all. Now, also, it, it 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 informs us that if you feel shameful that you that, yeah, that 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 to do this, you feel shameful to do this in broad daylight on Broadway, then what? Don't do it. If you feel shame, don't do it. Don't do it. So when it says Ask your heart That's what it means Because I don't want a person Come with an evil heart And say well, I'm, I'm cool with it I don't care That's not The frame of reference Because he has an evil heart So we don't go by that i nah, mean don't go by that And that the Sheikh is going to bring Inshallah ta'ala And likewise You'll find That generally and typically People that have evil hearts They don't even worry about you know, Even checking to see Whether they feel shame or not They don't care They just do stuff right uh, um these are things that taala i want you to hold on to and i want you to grab onto to taala and we'll pick up from this point in the next class inshallah taala <speaking> fa in <Hebrew>